bless you guys for coming out and those of you who are turned in, tuned in to the um, live stream tonight. And we are continuing on our um, look through the book of Revelation. And, uh, and uh, we'll see what God has for us tonight. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father God, thank you so much for bringing us all here tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your blessing of uh, your protection and your covering. Thank you, Lord, most of all, for the blood of Jesus that yes, washes Lord. us from all our sin, that keeps us um, in, your, in the palm of your hand. We thank you, Lord, that we have confidence in you and your redemption. And we thank you, Lord, as, as your word says this. It says, when all these things begin to happen, lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. And we're seeing it uh, drawing closer each day. And we pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to lead God and direct us in tonight's study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're in Revelation 7. And this is actually the first uh, parenthetical chapter or uh, portion of Scripture where you remember I said the, the breakdown of the book of Revelation is it goes through. Um, we, we just got through with the um, seals and... Uh, the last seal is going to be discussed in chapter 7, but in the before the breaking, the actual breaking of the seals, there's, it's like a parenthetical uh, pause in the action, and there's some detail that is given. And uh, so that's kind of the pattern that we're going to see in the book of Revelation. There We have the seal judgments, which we just went through in chapter 6 and going on to chapter 7, and then once the seals are, um, the um, trumpets are done after that, there's the trumpet judgments after that. And then there's going to be a little bit of a reprieve, or a, it's called a parenthetical chapter. And then it'll go on to the vile judgments. And then um, after the, during the vile judgments, there's going to be another uh, parenthetical chapters. And there's going to be details. So as we get into the book, we'll see how that works. But just to let you know, it is linear. You know, it, it, it's following a progression. And uh, some people, you know, even now where we're seeing things happening right now, and they're saying, oh, this, is, this must be the, the, the uh, first seal is being broken. And it's like, no, it's not, you know, because these things are progressive. Once it starts, it's, it's seal one, seal two, seal three, seal four. It's not just random. It's very orderly, the way this thing is laid out. So, you know, it's, it's amazing how you know, some people just grab portions out of the book of Revelation and they, they throw it into the current events that are happening right now and say, no, this must be this. This must be the, that portion of the tribulation that we're, we're not in the tribulation period yet. We're in the time that is called the time of trouble. And so, you know, what, what we just saw, and, and for context sake, let me just go over it one more time. In uh, chapter 1, verse 19, he says, first, write the things which you have seen, which was the vision of Jesus Christ um, in his glory, the things which are, which is the church age, chapters 2 and 3, and then at chapter 4, we get into the part, portion of scripture that says, write the things which will take place after these things. And I keep saying that because it's a comforting thing to know that. You know, to know that the church is not appointed to wrath. It's, it's, uh, these things are actually, um, you know, I was reading about it. It says they're actually the mercies of God, as, as weird as that might sound. Mm. Because as you look at this, his effort is he's trying to save people. And there's going to be a lot of people saved out of this really, really tremendously terrible time on the planet there is going to be people getting saved um, there's going to be a, a great harvest of souls that come out we already saw that as the fifth seal um, chapter 6 verse 9 it, when he opened the fifth seal 
you know, that uh, he saw a great multitude that had been slain for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So I think that, you know, we, what we want to do, we want to be sold out to the Lord right now because it seems in this time, and we're seeing that being formed right now, we're seeing things being formed right now where they're really narrowing society down. We're seeing how, you know, unless they would really want to see that unless there's a vaccination or it, there's a certificate of you being cleared of this uh, pandemic, then um, you can't participate in society. So you see how this is already being crafted. You know, this whole, it's like um, cattle that are being herded down a chute. Uh, and so we see how it's going right now. But our thing is we need to be absolutely sold out to the Lord right now. That's who we want to be. Amen. Amen. All right. So chapter seven is where we're at right now. And, um, uh, it's be, it's inserted between the sixth and the seventh seal. This portion, what we're going to read right now, and um, let me let me just go with chapter seven here. I'll read the first uh, portion of it. It says, "After these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth or on the sea or any tree." So I got an image for that one. So we have these angels here that are holding back. You know, we just saw the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and we saw, you know, cosmic disturbances. We saw the cry of the martyrs. We saw all this action going on. And then all of a sudden there's a pause in the action right now. That's what I'm saying. This is a parenthetical pause right now. And, um, and then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom he was granted to harm the earth and the sea saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees till they have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. This is an amazing thing, an amazing um, uh, portion of scripture that a lot of people get confused over. You know, there you have all the cults want to lay claim to. We're the 144,000. <laughs> If you got Jehovah Witnesses come into your house, they said, we have 144,000. And I guess when they first started the cult, they didn't have anywhere near that number. But then as they increased in number, then they had to make a new story for it. And they said, well, it's really not all of us are 144, but it's like the elders. And they're the ones that are appointed of the elders of the Jehovah Witnesses are the ones that are going to go up into heaven. So that's one segment. And then the Mormons also claim that, that they're the 144,000 and they exceeded that number. And then they have to come up with a story. And uh, even the Seventh-day Adventists, I was surprised that they lay claim to the 144,000. And so all these false doctrines, man, it's really strange. And then there was another one um, who I'm, I'm not that familiar with, but it said Herbert, Herbert W. Armstrong. And I'm sure there's probably a plethora of others who lay claim to 144,000. But it's very, very plain who these people are, and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, there is a portion of scripture uh, in Ezekiel 9. Let's go there, Ezekiel 9. That talks about a ceiling that took place. It says in Ezekiel chapter 9, it says, uh, chapter, or verse 1, it says, And he called out to, in the hearing in a loud voice, saying, Let those who have charge over the city draw near each 
with a deadly weapon in his hand. So there was these angels who had a destroying weapon. And suddenly six men came from the, from the direction of the upper gate, which faces the north, each with his battle axe in his hand. One man amongst them, clothed with a linen, uh, clothed in linen, uh, had a writer's inkhorn at his side and went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Now the glory of God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been at the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed with the linen. He had a writer's inkhorn at his side. And the Lord said to him, Go throughout the midst of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of all the abominations that are done within it. To the others he said in my hearing, Go after him through the, through the city, kill, and do not let your eyes spare, nor have any pity. Utterly slay the old, young men, maidens, and little children, and women, who did not come near any with whom has the mark. And he began at the sanctuary. So they began at the elders before the temple. And he said to them, Defile the temple and fill it with the courts with the slain. Go out. And they went out and killed in the city. So it was that while they were killing... Them it was left alone, and I fell on my face and cried out and said, O Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel and pouring out your fury on Jerusalem? And he said to me, in The iniquity in the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great, and the land is full of bloodshed, and the city is full of perversity. For they say, The Lord has forsaken the land, and the Lord does not see. And as me also, my eye will neither spare nor will have pity, but I will recompense their deeds on their own head, just as the man clothed with the linen, had the ink horn in his side, reported back and said, I have done as you have commanded. So here is a portion of scripture where that precedent is sort of set, where God says, you know, that, that this is a, a vile generation. And he says, I'm going to destroy and um, I'm, I'm going to, but I'm going to seal the people that I'm, uh, that I'm preserving. And these people are 144,000 and we're going to list them here. And it's not you know, people like to say, well, aren't, aren't I a spiritual Jew now because I have faith in Christ? And it's not talking about that because if you were a, even if you were a spiritual Jew, because the Bible does talk about that, that you're one, if you have faith in Christ, that you are the seed of, of um, Abraham. But what tribe are you? You know, and you can't <laughs> lay, tr lay claim to a tribe, you know, yeah. but, and here it's very specific. Yeah. And so <clears throat> it says here, <clears throat> Number, number one, he says, uh, verse three, it says, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees. They have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And, you know, people are saying, well, what did they seal on their foreheads? Um, you know, the mark of the beast is, is, or the things that the devil does, it's always a corruption of what God is doing. So here God is sealed. And we know that even from the um, age of the church, God has to put a mark on those that are his. And it says, I'll give you a new name and I'll write a new name on your head. And everybody's like, well, we don't know what this name is. But if you look at chapter 14 of Revelation, it does, it, it, it could be, I'm not being dogmatic, but it says in, in uh, chapter 14, 1, it says, I looked and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion. And it's talking about the, um, and with him, the 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. So this is sort of a clue to that. That it is the seal of God, but it is the God's name, you know, that's written on their head. Nobody really knows for sure, but it's kind of a clue. Um, but then he goes, I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. And then it goes on to list those tribes. It says, of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 
12,000 were sealed. Even this is interesting. Reuben was normally the firstborn. You know, normally the firstborn, uh, when you're listing the tribes of Israel, you would hear Reuben first. But because Reuben sinned, right. he, was not, he lost that position. But we know that uh, Jesus came from the lion of the tribe of Judah. He came from the, the line of Judah. So he's listed first. Reuben is second. From, uh, there were sealed uh, the tribe of Gad. 12,000 were sealed from the tribe of Asher. 12,000 were sealed from the tribe of Nephtali. 12,000 were sealed from the tribe of Manasseh. 12,000 were sealed from the time of tribe of Simeon. 12,000 were sealed from the tribe of Levi. There's another interesting note. Normally, normally Levi is not listed amongst the tribes because they were the priesthood. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's a different listing. And for whatever reasons, maybe because of their behavior, you know, leading up to this, that they had the privilege of having these uh, people sealed. And it says 12,000 were sealed from the tribe of Issachar. 12,000 were sealed from the tribe of Zebulun. 12,000 were sealed from the tribe of Joseph. 12,000 were sealed from the tribe of Benjamin. And 12,000 uh, 12, were sealed. And so we have this sealing of them here. You know, this listing and a sealing of these uh, 12 tribes. Come on. And... Uh, you know, I have an image of that. Sorry. There we go. So we have all the different tribes listed here that were sealed. So. Um, so who was taken out? Um, the, sometimes, you know, the, it's a listing of uh, Joseph went down to Egypt and he had two sons, jo uh, Ephraim and Manasseh. Oh, yes. Yeah, so Joseph so and Benjamin is on there. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes they're listed as the tribes. This time, one of them was listed. Uh, um, who was the tribe that was taken out? It was... Um, Joseph's two sons. And Joseph wasn't listed, right? Hmm. That's okay. It says Ephraim and Dan were omitted because they were guilty of idolatry. Hmm. They were, they were guilty of uh, worshiping the golden calf. So both those tribes were not listed here. Um, so that's, you know, that's, there's, I think there, they said there's about nine different places in the Bible where the listings of, and, but a lot of times it's different. And this is the breakdown of the ones that God wanted, the 144,000 of their, their um, Jewish and their virgins. And it, there's more detail that's going to come up about this. And they follow the lamb and they're obedient. And what they say that these guys, they're Jewish evangelists. So the church has is, is been taken out of the world right now. And these are like, they call them almost like 144,000 Pauls, you know, Saul of Tarsus. So Pauls, they go around and they're spreading the gospel. And they're talking about this message of, of salvation around the world. And they're going to get a multitude that's going to be saved from their, from their uh, ministry. And it says... In verse 9, it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. So we saw, you know, a huge amount of people, is, uh, verse 9, and, uh, you know, standing around the throne with white robes on, uh, with palm branches in their hands. A palm branch, they said it was from the phoenix palm. You know, it was like the, one of those uh, Mediterranean palms, like the date palms or something like that. And it was symbolic of victory, you know. So they had the victory 
and there, there's other scriptures that we can go to that talk about the victory. They had the victory over the mark of the beast, the number of his name, and over um, taking his mark or worshiping the beast or his image. So they had the victory over that. And they said, uh, this is an interesting group of people here. It looked, behold, a multitude that no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white. They had palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders of the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So it's a glorious scene in heaven, but this is not the church. These are not, these are not the church. A church is um, those who believed in Christ and were talked about in the books, the, uh, chapter 2 and 3. And were raptured out of the tribulation period before the tribulation period. These are called tribulation saints. So it's a different category. The word church is not used for these guys, and they have a different function in there. And uh, but they're you know we're, we're going to see uh, some of the things that they have to endure coming up here. And it says uh, they were finally made it made it into the presence of the Lord, received by Christ. You know, they came out of this terrible time, you know, terrible time in the earth. And here in verse 13, it says, One of the elders answered me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? So you would think that, you know, this is the, the elder. The elders represent the church. He would have known who these people are. But he's asking the question to John, the, the revelator. And it says, Who are these, and where did they come from? And he said to them, Sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come up out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So um, they're the ones that endured this, this time of testing, this great tribulation. You know, the, the tribulation, you know, it says in this world we will suffer tribulation, the Bible says. And it says through many tribulations we enter into the kingdom of God. But the time of what we're talking about right now is called the Great Tribulation. It's, it's unlike any other time that the world had seen. And so it's, uh, uh, you know, we don't want to be a part of that. We want to make sure that we're delivered from that. Um, here's some, you know, some statistics or something uh, interesting about that. It says that these people were gathered out of every nation, tribe, and tongue, and people. So he says they're primarily Gentiles. So the 144,000 are going around and they're ministering around the world, it seems. And they're harvesting these souls where they're harvested out of every nation, tribe, and tongue, and people. If it was of Jews, they would say these are the, you know, the, the harvest of Jews that came in through this ministry. So it's around the world that this is going on. Um, you know, we watched an interesting program the other day. And it was talking about Jesus in, was it... Uh, Greece or in Athens, Jesus in Athens. And it was talking about how these Muslims, you know, who, who got displaced from the wars that were going on in the Middle East, you know, the whole turmoil the, that went on there. And um, they were coming over on boats and little boats. And, and yet the, the church uh, in Greece uh, embraced these guys and, and they were coming to faith because they, they, a lot of them said, I never even knew about Jesus, never heard about Jesus before, or heard the real gospel. So they finally, they were having miraculous visitations of Christ. They were seeing visions of Jesus. And um, 
one of the guys, you know, was asking the, the pastor, he goes, well, if, if Jesus is the real truth, how come I've never heard of him before? And the pastor didn't know how to answer that question. And he said he went away and he thought about it himself. And he realized that being a Muslim, they weren't allowed to come into their country to preach the gospel. You'd, you'd go there and they would kill you or put you in prison if you tried to bring the gospel. So he said this, he goes, Jesus, I see that he wanted to reach me. So he brought me out of my country so that I could come to this country to hear the message of the gospel. So God's heart is very merciful towards all mankind to hear the gospel's message. And it's, it was an amazing story, you know, to see these guys um, truly uh, come into faith in Christ. And, and it was a miraculous, miraculous thing there. And um, so he's, he's, uh, he's puzzling, you know, they came out of the great tribulation. So we look at verse 14. He said, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones who come up out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell amongst them. They shall neither, neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor the heat for the lamb is in the midst of their throat and will shepherd them and will lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So they're washed in the blood of the Lamb, which we all are. Thank you, they've, Lord. They've, um, they're putting on ro white robes of righteousness. And um, they were, they're going to be able to drink this living water. This is a, a picture, I think, of the woman at the well. But Jesus talking about living water. And um, the, part of the thing that's interesting here is the, in the conditions that they have been enduring here. Um, that they have endured uh, heat. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're getting struck by heat, their hunger, there's a lack of water, um, and the Lamb is the mystery, shall shepherd them into living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So it kind of gives you a little indicator of what kind of conditions are going to be going on on the earth right now. Number one, if you confess Christ, you're going to be a hunted species. You know, people are going to be killing Christians wholesale. Number two, um, it seems like there's going to be a lack of food. Number three, it seems like there's going to be a lack of fresh water. Number four, it seems like there's going to be um, increased heat. You know, you hear all this talk about global warming. It seems that there is going to be a judgment where the sun is going to just heat up and it's going to strike people. There, there, it talks a little bit more about that. It's going to be excessive amounts of heat mm. on the earth. The sun's going to somehow scorch people. And so it's not a, not a very pleasant time to be on the earth. But God is still reaching out in his mercy and he's harvesting these souls. There was a great multitude that nobody could number, which is, you know, it's good news. You, you wish that, you know, people would be responding to the gospel this side of the rapture. But thank God that God is so merciful that even uh, after the church is taken out, the Holy Spirit is still here. The entity of the church or the body of Christ is no longer on the earth, but the Holy Spirit is still here and he's still doing his work. And there's going to be a large number of people that are going to be uh, saved during that time and um, so that's uh, so that's the, the ch um, which one this one here yeah you're washing the blood you know one of the things that the Lord uh, talked about yeah there's another scripture that talks about the the robes the white robes or the linen robes were the righteous deeds of the saints. I should have I should have listed that. I know I think it's later in the book of Revelation it talks that talks about that. But we all know that the, the righteousness that we have 
is on loan from Christ. It says there's none righteous in our own selves that uh, our righteousness is like filthy rags. So the works that we do are not going to get us into heaven. But if we are truly born again, our life should be, um, it should have works of righteousness that would give honor to the Lord. It says, let our light so shine before men yeah. that men would see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So our, our life should be reminiscent or should have evidence of good works, you know, helping out people, feeding the poor, giving money when you can, whatever, you know, just good works uh, should be part of it. You know, we, in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 3, um, talking to the church of Laodicea, and there it says, uh, you know, they were thinking they were all that. In verse 17, it says, because, uh, chapter 3, verse 17, because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Anoint your eyes with eyes have that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. So he's he's you know telling this church in Laodicea to buy from him or you know pursue this robe of righteousness or this and then uh, also in the church that to Sardis, he says this um, in verse 4, chapter 3, it says, You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So the, our, you know, the, the other thing that we should be aware of is the Lord says that I'm coming back for a, for a bride without spot or wrinkle. So we need to be making sure that if we have sin or we have anything that's offensive, to be diligent to deal with that because you know we are the bride of Christ and we're, we're to be waiting and ready for his call. Yeah, Glenn. Uh, the verse that talks about um, good works. Um, you got to go on because we're filming this right now. Sorry, yeah. yeah, it's it. Yeah. Yeah, we usually answer the questions after he's done. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Okay. I have a question actually on my phone. All right. So uh, basically, you know, this is a, a, a good thing. You know, when we get there, he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and at the end of the book of Revelation, it says that the, those former things have passed away. You know, that there's no more death, no more pain, no more crying, no more sorrow. And, you know, you... I hear I heard this from several different ministers. They said, you know, he would wipe away the tears from my eyes, and we're thinking to ourselves, but how would we even be crying in heaven at that point? And and I heard it from Chuck Missler as well as other, um, even um, uh, J. Vernon McGee. I think he referenced that. He says, I think that when we get to heaven, we're going to see the potential of what could have been if we would have been more obedient to the Lord. You know, if we would have gave more of our effort, that the the rewards or the you know, just our position and the things that we, how we could have honored the Lord more as we get there and we see it for its reality that right now we're doing these things in faith, but when we get there, we're going to see the tangible reality of it. And maybe, you know, I hear stories about how, um, you know, a minister or there's an opportunity for ministry and somebody goes, well, I really don't want to do that. I want to do this. And then they they might be able to see, okay, if you would have been obedient to that calling, this is what the potential would have been with that. And, you know, it's just like, oh, man, how much more people could have been saved? I'll answer afterwards, Glenn. Um, but, uh, 
you know, that's where tears possibly could come into heaven, you know. Makes sense. And hopefully it's not going to be um, our cognizance of people that we knew here on the earth who are not there. You know, that would be just like, I mean, how could you really enjoy heaven Ooh. at that point, you know, when you think about it? But... You wonder if he just wipes that away. I don't know. I, I, I mean, people <laughs> said that that would probably not be the case, you know, because we would be just like robots or something. I don't know. I, 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 it's, it's like it's not much said about that. But, um, you know. Okay, it's almost like we have to be accountable for it. But after we're accountable, would that be taken away? Because how would we be? Because it says no more pain, right? Yeah. 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 I guess I we'll know when we get to heaven. <laughs> so, you know, so we at least we know now who the 144,000 are. So if the Jehovah Witnesses or the Mormons or the <laughs> Seventh-day Adventists come to your house, you know who the 40, because they're listed. Or if they say that they are the 144,000, say, what tribe are you from? You know? And so you can kind of quiz them that way. So we, that, that question has been dealt with. The other one, we're going to get into the 144,000. We're not done with them. We're going to see in chapter 14, I believe, they're going to give more detail on that. But... Um, but these are the tribulation saints. You know, these are the ones that are that are coming up out of the uh, great tribulation. Um, you know, the, the the tribulation period, the great tribulation will last three and a half years. The tribulation period is seven years, according to Daniel. There's a, a seven-year period of time where I believe from that first horse that we saw riding is the advent of the Antichrist. What would start the whole tribulation period, according to the book of Daniel, is there's going to be a covenant that will be enforced or will be ratified during the reign of the Antichrist. So right now, the Antichrist cannot come on the scene because the church is still here. Once the Antichrist comes on the scene, there's going to probably be a time of chaos. The world's going to kind of go crazy for a bit, you know. And, and he's going to come in and he's going to have answers. And he's going to have a solution, it seems, to the Middle East problem. It could be even that the, the um, Ezekiel... Uh, Magog war took place around this time too. Hmm. It might have been because because there's going to be uh, he's going to be like a peacemaker. So he's going to come in. He's going to ratify this covenant. Says let's give the the Jews the ability to build build their temple, which they want to do. So we're going to have a three and a half year period where there's going to be stuff going on, but it's not going to be the great tribulation. When you get into the middle, then after the temple is uh, rebuilt. The Antichrist goes into the temple and he demands to be worshipped as God. That's when the great tribulation starts at that point. So it's, it's tribulation, but the last three and a half years of it are the great, is the great tribulation. So there's kind of an interesting footnote there. Um, in, um, you know, in, in Matthew 24, 15, it says, um, you know, it says that it, it will never be a time like this, nor ever will be. You know, and unless those days were short, no flesh would survive. That's how bad this is going to be. And then also in Daniel uh, 12.1, it says something to that effect also. Those are the two scriptures, if you're writing them out. Daniel 24, I mean, Matthew 24.15 through 22, Daniel 12.1 are two references to that. And then there's another one that I found today that I never knew. It's in Jeremiah 36 through 7. And it says, ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with a child. So why do you see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman who is in labor with their faces turned pale? Alas, for that day is great so that none is like it. And it is a time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. So once again, you know, the tribulation period primarily is a time that they call Jacob's trouble. It's a time for the Jews to truly turn 
to be pressed to the point of turning to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's the purpose of the tribulation period. But also we're seeing that a lot of Gentiles are being saved out of this period, or people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. So we got uh, time. We're going to get on to uh, chapter 8 tonight. And um, this is the prelude um, to the seven trumpets. And so uh, what we're seeing here is the... A last of the sea, the last of the the trumpets here. So, and we we look at um, chapter eight, verse one, and you see, open the seventh seal. So here is the last of the seals right here, number seven. Uh, chapter eight starts off with he opened the seventh seal. So that goes back to you remember that scroll that we saw that right. was the title deed to the earth, and it had seven different seals on it. Right. The final one is being popped right there, and as that seal is popped open. There's a there's some um, uh, this was the parenthetical chapter in there and then now we're going to get to the trumpet so the last seal is actually uh, this thing here it says when he opened the seventh seal there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour hmm. you know and so everybody wants to speculate what's the silence about <laughs> what, what was what was going on there but they're thinking that possibly because this is so dire what's coming it's so it's so grand what's coming. That it's just like, whoa, we got to really, you know, just think about, but who knows for sure. The other interesting thing about this that I heard somebody make note of is when you get to heaven, you think it's timeless. You know, there is no time. We're into eternity, so there's no concept of time. But apparently that's not correct because there was silence in heaven for a space of about a half an hour. So you understand time, you know. So it's something that, that was an interesting thing that I heard yes, recently. I saw seven angels who stand before God. And were given to them seven trumpets. So there were seven angels that stood before God with seven trumpets. And another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar and was given much incense that he should offer it. In the, it, it is the prayers of, prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense and the prayers of the saints ascend before God uh, from, the, from the angel's hand. So... You know, there's, there's an altar. You know, the, when Moses made um, the tabernacle, when he made all the, the different elements within the tabernacle, he said in there, he says, see that you make it according to the pattern that was with, what's in heaven. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an identical pattern. So this is the, the bronze or the altar of incense that is before the throne. Um, and it's, it says it's reminiscent of the prayers of the saints. This is a sensor, so you would take some of the incense and put a coal in there, and it would burn, and they would kind of swing this thing back, and then the, the odor from that or the, the smell of the incense would fill up the temple. And so it says that those things are like the prayers of the saints um, ascended before God in the angel's hand. The angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it on the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, and lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. So actually this last um, trumpet is the preparation for the things, or, or the, you know, the, the last seal is the preparation for the trumpet that's about to blow right now. So that's what we're seeing happening right here in this scene. And it said, um, the smoke of the incense is the prayers of the saints. You ever think about that, that are... That our prayers, when we pray to the Lord, that it goes up as incense before the Lord. You yes. know that, he, that it's a it's a sweet savor in the nostrils of the Lord. Um, you know the lightnings and thunderings. Verse five is the angel took the censer, filled it with fire, at, uh, from the altar to the earth, 
and there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. So this is a judgment is about to come. We're going we're gonna to start the next uh, seven uh, judgments that are coming and it's called the trumpet judgments. You know, so we had the seals and we're moving into the trumpets now. So the first trumpet in verse 7, it says, The first angel sounded, and hail and fire uh, followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Mm. So, man, that's, that's pretty heavy. You know, the third of all the trees on the planet were burned up, and it says, all the grass. I got this picture and I just threw that in there because I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> the Bible predicted geoengineering. <laughs> but, um, I can't see that. Let me see if I can yeah. push it up. I can't push can it. Can you get that? Can you guys see it? Gee, there you go. Bible, the Bible predicted geoengineering. You know, the, it's interesting though. You know, that, that's kind of, it's comical, but there's some truth to that. Because they were saying that, you talk to any firefighter, I've seen it referenced several times with these mega fires that they're having, you know? Yeah. What we had in Australia, we had in California, we're having in the West, we're having in the main, we're having them around the world. Part of that too, I just saw an article where they said that there's terrorists that are down in Mexico, Islamic terrorists, and they come up during the summertime and they light fires. Uh, it's, it's a terror campaign, you know? So they're, they're burning up our trees or burning up, our, even in Israel, you know how much effort they put into planting trees in Israel? And these people go in and they just light up the forest and burn them down. It's just really disgusting. But the thing that the firefighters are seeing, if you look at um, two elements that are that are in the chemtrails, and you know, even that I was looking, I was trying to find evidence of that today. And so much of that stuff's been scrubbed. And they're saying, oh, chemtrails is a conspiracy theory. It's just the contrail. I'm like, oh, come on, man. I know that I'm not that stupid. I know the difference between a contrail and a chemtrail because they'll go from horizon to horizon and stay over there all day and turn into these light, wispy clouds. We didn't have to have. We didn't have that when we were kids. We didn't see those things, you know. And they try. Oh, you've all. It's always been no. Don't try to mess with my head. I know what a contrail is and I know a chemtrail. And the thing is, the snowpack. They're seeing massive amounts of barium and aluminum in there, and both of those elements are very highly flammable. So this stuff gets into the, the forest, the forest, it's just falling down out of the sky, getting onto the plants, getting, in fact, our, we had a couple plants outside our house and I don't know what happened, you know, the other day, but they were totally healthy. And I look at them now, they're all just burn up and it, they, were, they were all watered. And that, that plant that, that Tammy gave Gretchen was doing so nice. And then I looked at it, one side of this house, this plant is all burnt up. The other side is all burnt up. I was like, what are they spraying out, out here? You know, something's weird, something's different. But anyway, the, the barium and aluminum are very, very flammable. And you hear these firefighters who say, we try to put these, we never saw fires like this, who travel that fast, who combust so strong and just jump, you know, just jump and we can't contain them. We never saw fires like this. But if you put a accelerant on everything, if you douse the forage with, forest with gas and you try to control it with normal means, you, you would be fighting against, you know, against the tide. And that's kind of what's going on right now. You know, so I thought that was funny with this, this thing said the Bible predicted geoengineering. Um, so there's, there, that's the first judgment. So it says that um, uh, fire and hail mixed with blood. There was another thing that I found that they, and I was trying to find that article or find a reference to that. When they were testing what was coming down out of the chemtrails or was landing. And they said they found actually human blood in this thing. 
And I'm like, what is that? You know, what, what is that? There was, there were actually, seems like they were trying to culture certain diseases and they were putting it up in the atmosphere and letting it come down. And they actually found uh, human blood. And there's a whole, that's a whole topic we're not going to get into, you know, with, with uh, different diseases that are, that are being generated through this thing that, um, oh, I forget the name of that one. What's that one that, that uh, Morgellons disease, you know, and they were saying, that that's like fibers that are coming down the fibers out of this. that define their body yeah. yeah and it just and it's like a living thing and it just starts growing on people you know it's really bad so anyway that was the first judgment the second verse eight the second second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood so that's bad man. you know this is the second one so a third of the sea so you know if we think about this now Something like a great mountain. So people are speculating: is it a, is it a um, a meteor that hits, or is it is it a, like a, um, a a big chunk? If it was like a mountain, you know, they would say it was a mountain or, or that fell into the sea. So I I'm thinking that it probably is some sort of like a meteor. But it's interesting that it says a third of the sea and a third of the boats in the sea were destroyed and a third of the sea became blood. I think that because there's a lot of action that is still yet undone on the other side of the earth, on the European side, on the African side of the planet. This would pinpoint that this, whatever this event is taking place, is going to happen in the Pacific. And it, it would, it, if anything's going to strike, it's going to hit on this side of the planet. Because if, if you had something that catastrophic to hit on the other side, you still have to have the, the New World Order you're going to still have to have the, the um, Jews rebuilding their temple. That, that part of the world still has to be relatively intact. But on this side of the planet, on the Pacific side, that's probably where the thing is going to hit. And a third of the sea is going to be you know, destroyed at that point. So it's not a good look for um, Hawaii at this point. Well, we should be gone. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be gone. <laughs> you know. But uh, that's just, that, you know, I've heard that and I go, that makes sense. You know, it makes sense. If, if something like that hit... On the Atlantic side, you know, it would, Europe would just be devastated from the amount of tsunamis. You know, I had um, dreams, and there's a lot of people that have dreams about this massive tsunami, you know, and they're, hopefully it's a spiritual dream. You know, it's a wave of, of revival or wave. But I remember having a dream years ago that it was like, um, it wasn't like a wave. It was like the... Patty Tavar says, move to Oregon. <laughs> But I saw this dream of like this slab of water that was on a whole different level. It was like it, it just came plowing right through the central portion portion of Maui, just right through. You know, can you imagine something really huge like that hitting the ocean that it would just cause the ocean to rise up and heave and just move out in all directions? You know, so. Um, it's going to happen at some point, you know, it's, 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 it's going to happen. And, uh, so that, that was the, uh, burning like fire was thrown in the sea. A third of the sea became blood. And I don't understand. They said that actually seawater is very close to plasma though. Did you ever hear that? Did it? Yeah. They, did anybody hear that before? Yeah. You have Steve. Yeah. That, that seawater is very close to plasma, you know? So, uh, when it dies, then maybe it, it just it just turns into I don't know a substance like blood, you know. The the Bible, yeah. I I don't know. 
I think that, you know, it, it's probably more meaningful than that, you know, because even during the judgments in during Egypt, he actually turned the water to blood, it said. They couldn't right. drink it, right? Mm -hmm. And so if the Bible says it, you know, as much as you, you, you can, when you read this book, if it, if it can be taken literally, we should take it literally, you know? So this, oh, everything dies, you know? At, at, there's another judgment down the line where everything in the ocean dies. We get the majority of our oxygen from the ocean, from plankton. Not from plants, but from plankton. If the ocean dies, there's going to be a serious depletion of oxygen. And then we're going to see that all the trees dry up. So there's going to be an oxygen problem coming up here, you know, towards the end of the world here. Um, you can get those Michael Jackson chambers. Michael <laughs> <laughs> Barrett chamber. Okay. The, the third one. Or this is the same one. So uh, possibly the second trumpet is the me mega tsunami. So if something was thrown into the ocean, you know, this could be a reality here. You know, and if all a third of all the of the ships in the sea, it's got to be pretty cataclysmic to destroy a third of all the ships in the sea. Right? Mm. This is a massive wave like that coming. And then um, the third trumpet. Um, it says, the third trumpet, the waters were struck, and the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on the third of the rivers, and on the springs of water, and the name of the, the star was Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many died from the waters because it was made bitter. Hmm. You remember we're talking about taking the books of Revelation out of context. You remember when Chernobyl took place in Russia, uh, where the, they were, the Russians were messing with the nuclear reactor and they weren't being cautious. And all of a sudden that thing went critical and it melted down. You remember that? This was several decades ago. And they destroyed, you know, a major portion of Russia. It's still off limits to this day. You can look it up. You can go to Chernobyl. It's, it's like a ghost town, you know, and it's, it's really highly radioactive and it'll be for, I don't know, hundreds of years. But... Um, the name Chernobyl, in, translated from Russian, means wormwood. So everybody will say, this must be wormwood. This must be, they're going to destroy the waters. It's going to go down into the water table and all that. But it's like I said, it's taking the, the um, linear context of the book of Revelation, grabbing a prophecy out of there and saying, oh, this must be this. You shouldn't do that, you know, because this is saying it's the first seal. It's the second seal. It's the third seal. It's progressively going on. So you can't just grab something out of here and plug it into local happenings and say this must be that event which they a lot of people do a lot you know mm -hmm. don't do that it's it's a progressive thing that's going on it might be like that and and the name probably it could be a type and god is trying to show yeah there's there's something to that but it's not the actual event you know and so here we are we having this um this event where this thing comes from space it hits the hits the or passes by somehow and it turns one third of the waters once again into blood. It's undrinkable, pollutes it, turns it bitter. So water is going to be in short supply. Water is already, they're saying that the next wars, I mean, that's just speculation, but they say the, there's, there's a real um, uh, grasping after fresh supplies of water right now. You know, that, that stuff that's really being uh, fought over right now is fresh supply of water because the populations are growing and certain places where they don't have. Um, the amount of resources of fresh water like China they're coming in and they're buying a lot of our water out of th I think out of the Great Lakes you know they were they were taking tankers of water back to China out of the Great Lakes so they said the next wars will be fought for water um, uh, let's see 
So the fourth, fourth trumpet, which is the last one, the fourth trumpet, it says, The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying to the midst of the heavens, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because the remaining blast of the trumpets and the three angels who are about to sound. So if it's as bad, I mean, this is bad already, but you got, you got um, three more woes coming your way. And this next one that's going to bust out next week is going to be really like, wow, you know. But it's woe, 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 because there's three more angels to sound with their judgments coming, and it's not good. You know, it's just not good. Can you imagine already, the, all, the, all the green grass is burned up, a third of the trees are burned up, a third of the water has been turned to blood. Or the, a third of the ocean has died. A third of the ships are gone. A third of the, uh, the trees are burned up. It's not a good place to be living right now, you know. And uh, God have mercy. Lord, send yeah. that rapture. Get us rapture ready. Get as I much people that was the last saved. image I had there. Yeah, so um, we want to make sure that we're not only saved, but we're also telling people about this. You know, we're telling uh, people about this This sort of thing, you know, I did, I was working uh, up in Wailuku last week, and uh, the guys I was helping, he was talking about this coronavirus, and I was saying, you know, I was giving him my, my theory about it, and I don't really believe that it's what they say, you know, they're, they're hyping it up right now for uh, political purposes at this point, and then he goes, yeah, and then what about that dam that just broke up in the main, and he goes, what's going on, and I'm saying, the Lord is coming back, that's what's going on, mm -hmm. the Lord is, is, uh, you know, we, we normally at the Bible study, we would show the, the two preachers, you know, and, and the compilation of things that are happening around the earth. And it's still going on. You know, I've been watching. I've been watching. We haven't been watching them here at the Bible study. But it was an amazing compilation this last week. You know, just uh, the earth in upheaval, tornadoes and earthquakes and, and ma massive amounts of floods and landslides it's like the world is in birth pangs it's just mm. travailing right now and so Biz, what is yeah. the names of the people you're working for let's just pray right now that they get saved uh, martha and ken martha know. and ken yeah and linda and and john is the other two that i'm working for yes yeah, so lord we pray for their salvations lord, yes, lord. that um you appointed pastor jay to be doing their landscapes right now and it's something that he's doing to be able to um, evangelize and talk to them about the Lord. So we pray right now that they would, their names would be written in the book of life, Lord God, Amen. that what is going on would have an impact and they would call out to you to be the Lord and Savior. Thank Amen. You, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that concludes our... Okay. Yep. And the one question we have from Patty Tavares, because we got to shut this down first, Glenn, is who she wanted to know when yeah. you were talking about the 144... Mm -hmm. Are they part of the 24 sitting on the throne? No. no. So no. who's the 24? The 24 elders who are sitting on the throne is representative of the church. You know, because when we get there and, and they identify themselves, they also say that they are um, redeemed from the, from the tribes and tongues and nations, but it's a separate entity because they're sitting on thrones. These other people are not. They're, they're before the altar and they serve the Lord. And Jesus makes that, you know, he, he tells that if we're a part of his body, we will rule and reign with him as kings and priests. So that's a separate entity. That's why the church is a special group of people that, that for, you know, when we're a part of the church, it's a special entity. Once the church is raptured up, 
then these other people are saints and they're saved, but they're not part of that body mm -hmm. anymore. That, that's been sealed up, you know? Yeah, that was the only question. Okay. So you want to end and then we can ask friends later? Yeah, because it's, okay. it's I'll, I'll answer after Glenn. Yeah. So we've got to shut it down. Mika, you want to end? Sure. Yeah. yeah, we'll do a song and then I'll, I'll answer your question. Yeah.